Okay, so before these verses, these verses that were read, Sutton did a great job of seeing our young people do that. But before you read these again, we got to set this upright because this is talking about slaves and masters, which offends our sensitivities immediately. We look at that and we find it repulsive. And it is, if you use, particularly our American experience of slavery, to interpret this ancient text. It's a first century, not a 19th century phenomenon that they're addressing. Now that means it's not the same, but there are some similarities. When he talks about a yoke of slavery, he's saying there's something around their necks that are uncomfortable and it's prone to abuse, and it definitely was, and yet Paul addresses it. Paul is one who will address this slave master thing and its sensitive nature, and he's going to try to do it with a Christian slant to it. But he's already addressed these very people in Ephesus. When he's writing to Timothy, Timothy is at the church in Ephesus, and he's already dressed this once. And I want to remind you of what he said previously in the letter to the Ephesians, and that's on the screen. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with sincere heart as you would obey Christ. Serve them as if they were Jesus. That's what he's saying to slaves. This is what he said previously to them. Not by the way of eye service, not just when they're looking at you. If they go back and look at the video of the camera that's rolling while you're doing your work, they're going to see you working just as hard when you're not staring them down as if they were present. So that's what I want you to do. Now, you're not a people pleaser. You are slave of Christ. Your slavery is not to him, but to Jesus through him. And so that's what I want you to see, doing the will of God from your heart. I want you to do it from inside, not from external forces. I want you to do this, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord, not to man. Keep going. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. God's going to pay you. God is going to make sure you get paid up fairly and justly right? He is the bondservant, whether he is a bondservant or whether he's free. Whether you're a master or a slave, God is your master. And that's what you do. You think about that all the time. Masters, do this same thing to your slaves. Treat them the same way. Stop your threatening. Do not threaten them. Do not abuse them. Do not over-dominate them, right? Knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's absolutely no partiality with him. This is what he said previously to them, and he seems to feel no need to repeat any of that. That's not a problem anymore. They listened to that. They honored that, but there's still a little more that needs to be said, just two verses worth. But before we get there, keep in mind what they've already heard. Keep in mind, too, what these people all believe. But before you do that, know this. He's writing to a church where Matt Michener is a slave and Randy Carlton is his master, and they're sitting in the same church. They're going to hear this different than you hear it. Not only that, but you've got Wesley, who is a he is an elder of the church. He's also a slave to Matt Horner over here. So his master on earth, but he is a, a brother, but also an elder to his master. Is that not weird? That's sitting there in front of the church while Timothy 
presents this to them. It's so strange, right? You've got members who are slaves, you've got members who are masters, and they even are in a relationship with each other, and you've got some slaves who are the reason why their masters are converted. They shared their faith, and they worked their ethic in front of their masters, and because of that, the masters believed, and they come to church together. Remember that. This makes hearing this very, very strange to us. We don't think about that, but that's why he was writing. You've got to know where he's writing to. But you've also got to know the doctrines they believe. Listen to some of them. Galatians chapter 3. And I want you to say amen at the end of this passage because it's true, right? It's God's word. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male. There's no female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And you all say, and yet you've got slaves and masters right there in front of you. Who, it's, how can that be true when he's a slave of him? Their doctrine and real life are coming at different angles, and they've got to figure out what does this look like. Keep going. Our citizenship is in heaven. Yeah, we're citizens of earth too, but man, where we primarily get our working order from is from God out in heaven. That's where our citizenship really is, and yet we've got our... Roman citizenship for them, our U.S. citizenship for us. Next screen. And yet, even with all that, Roman authorities are God's servant over us. So while we are God's children, God's also got some servants who aren't even his, who aren't even Christians, who he put over us while on earth called the Roman government. For us, the U.S. government. For them, the Roman government. Let every person... He's talking to Christians here. Let every Christian among you in Rome be subject to the governing authority. You mean to tell me I'm a child of God and I have to submit to a Roman authority over me who has no respect for God at all? Yep, that's right. That's right. That's confusing. I've got to respect the structures of our world even though those are structures that I think are being dissolved. Being dissolved. They haven't been dissolved in the world yet, but they're being dissolved over time. Man, is this confusing, and it's muddying the waters, and it's making, it's making listening to this very, man, I, this is a more of an intellectual challenge than anybody thought, right? Those rulers are put there for God. He is God's servant for your Good, even though he's not even a believer at all. First Timothy 2, he says the same thing. I want you to pray for these people so that they'll establish peace so that you can be God's people and, and do the, the, the work of God in peace and with, with their blessing. I want you to be salt and light in the world. And then First Timothy, or First Peter chapter 2, verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. It means even Gentiles, unbelievers, would find your behavior honorable. They would even say, this is the way to live. Make sure you live in a way that they think is impressive. You've got to honor some of their standards even though they're not yours. That gets so crazy. I want you to be as confused as the original readers would have been when finally we actually get to the text of 1 Timothy chapter 6. The two verses. This is all he has left. He said a lot to them already to straighten out some stuff, but there's one, there's one or two things that he still needs to straighten out. He knows in the church at Ephesus. And here's, here's what he says. Let all who are under a yoke as, sir, as, as slaves regard your own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled or spoken evil of. 
Those who are believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they're brothers just because we're family. You know, it's like we're working here, and you, as my master, are also my brother, so I can slouch off a little bit, and I can just be a little bit lazy because, after all, you're not going to fire a brother. It's called spiritual nepotism. Don't do that. Rather, serve them all the better since those who benefit from their good service are believers and beloved. So here's the two things I want to summarize from this. Thought number one. Go ahead and kick it in. Yeah. Slaves, regard your masters worthy of all honor. I want you to treat them with the utmost dignity. No matter how much they treat, no matter what they treat you like, I want you to treat them as worthy of all honor, whether they're believers or not. This is an unbelieving slave owner. But slaves, you treat them as worthy of all And here's why. Because the name of God and his t- the quality of his teaching needs to be respected, and they will not because what they think of God comes from what they think of God's people. Is that true? What the world thinks of God, they draw from what they think of God's people. Is that true? Have you ever been somewhere where there's a bunch of hypocrites at that church, and they're right, we're just, just, we don't have our acts together, and because of that, the world will not listen to anything the church has to say? You've heard of that? That's true. What they think of you is what they think of your God and the stuff you teach up there on the hill. So you are like a, an advertisement. Thought number two is this. Christian slaves don't disrespect Christian masters. Why? Because they are the ones who benefit from their work are believers and you love them. Not only do you want to do it for God's name, but you want to do it because you love these people. They are your family. Now, we're going we're gonna to switch this, okay? I just want to get you to understand the way it felt back then in the first century to hear this. We are now going to apply it, and here's how you apply it. A, a, a slave was a person who entered a relationship of covenant and contact, uh, contract with someone else. The slave says, you own me for this amount of time of our lives or this many hours a week. You own me for this. I have to do work for you. I have to use my mind. I have to use my skills, my hands. I have to give this amount of time to you, and you own me for that time. But when I do that, you then pay me for it. That's the same thing that a slave did. The employer, the master, is the person who wrote up the contract and says, I will support you, I will provide for you for this number of hours if you do this amount of work. And so in this, in our application of it, the slave is the employee and the master is the employer. That's the only application you can see from this on a, on a, on a grand scale. There are some other ways, but this is the most dominant way. And because of that, we've got two concerns. The first concern is, a, is an evangelistic concern. And here's the message. When you work for somebody, you are representing God and his truth before them. How you go about your work is how they will come to conclude about God and his teaching. What you do, how you work, reflects the God you serve and the mind of your employer if they're not believers. You are to make God look good. Here's what should happen when you go to work. And I don't care what work you have. Here's the interesting thing. I, I work in ministry, so I work, I guess, for the church, right? And when I put in eight hours or whatever, it's the same in the eyes of God as Randy Carlton putting eight hours of work into his 
occupation. It's the same as you school teachers putting eight hours of work into yours. It's the same as the dentist. It's the same as everybody. Mine is no more glorious than yours. Your ministry is just as important as mine. That is absolutely the truth. There's no special backdoor I've got to God because I worked eight hours in ministry as opposed to you working eight hours at John Deere or whatever you work. It's the same thing. I owe the church this much. You owe your employer this much. And how you go about that work and how you carry yourself during that time reflects on the God you serve. It's your ministry. I say this all the time when I'm at uh, NEA hospital, when I'll be visiting someone who's there and a nurse comes in. I think nurses are heroes. I think doctors are heroes. And I tell them all the time, your ministry is really, really, really important. You minister and bless a lot of people. And I want you to see it that way. I've written letters to my kids' teachers every year in elementary school, writing them saying, I'm a minister and so are you. And I want you to view it that way because my kids kid is receiving your ministry gift. My time is no more valuable than yours in the sight of God or in any other way. And I love that. And it's important. It's important to see it that way. And what I want to happen is this, the way you show up on time, the way you fully engage, almost as if you take up ownership of the work that you're supposed to do. This is important to me. It's an expression of me. The way you work and the way you treat your coworkers and the way you honor that respect of the, the people over you, the way you do that should reflect well on God and it should impress them. Now, here's what should happen when you put in years of work or weeks or whatever. You're, you're, here's what the employer says. Wow. Let me pick somebody. James Mooney. I think he's probably like this. James, you work so hard. You, you, I just see you have this work ethic that's out of this world. You must have had a good mama. That's the first thing you want him to say. You're honoring your parents. You must have had a good upbringing. But as he continues to work, and it's coming from within and not from without, that employer says, wow, it's more than your mama. You must have a, where'd you go to school? Uh, where did you go to school, James? ASU, you went to ASU? Wow, ASU's impressive. And by the way, ASU loves to brag about people like that. Isn't that what they send out in their newsletters? They pick out those people who really do represent ASU well. And say, hey, the, yeah, and, the, and, and I said, yeah, you must have been trained well. So he went to ASU, okay. But after a while, even that's not enough. And they said, no, there's something more here. You just keep doing this and you keep putting this out and you keep, it's driven from within. You must, do you, are you a believer? And all of a sudden, he has this, thing where he's impressed this person with his faithfulness and you I know I know when people are saying you're getting cheesy you're you're coming up with an illustration for a sermon it doesn't really happen that way does it so one of you I don't think he's here uh I was going to use him and I, I don't see him one of you and I went to eat lunch on Friday and every time I'm in line at lunch somewhere, I will invariably strike up a conversation with a lady at the cash register or whatever, or the guy, whoever. This happened to be a lady, and I say, you like working here? I make sure that the boss is somewhere else. Right? I don't want him answering that with a boss standing right there. You like working here? This past Friday, I hope she's not watching this online, and I don't see her here. Whoops, I don't see him here. I'm changing genders. I... I'm just trying to protect the guilty. So, do you like working here? She says, 
Oh, sometimes. I said, yeah, it's kind of slow. It's bad when it's slow. You'd rather it be fast, right? Because how many remember, you, you'd rather it go fast by being fast and busy, right? Most people, right? Most people like it. No, I don't like it fast either. I would rather be paid to sit and do nothing. I, I listened to that, and the person I was eating lunch with listened to that, and we just kind of shook our heads, and we went to the table and sat there, and I said, can you believe that? I said, that's, that's, that's what's wrong with our world. I just as soon do nothing and be paid with it. And you look out here and all these businesses around town, listen, there is no greater thing in our world that's going to impress the world about our faith right now than having some people who will work, who will work from the heart, not, not by just external stuff. Yeah, you want pay, and yeah, you want a good reputation, but drive it from within. It's because of who I am. It's because of the God I serve. I want to represent him, and I cannot, I cannot, must not give a bad impression of the God I represent. I can't do it. I got to work. I get up here and do something. I, th- this, and you think, oh, you're, again, you're saying, oh, you're making this up. L- okay, let's put a verse with it then. I could put Daniel with this, as you well know from VBS last year. But I'm not. I'm going to go back further than that. I'm going to go to Joseph. And Joseph was forced to work at Potiphar's house. Right? You remember this? It was not something he wanted. Nobody wants to be a slave. The Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master, his master saw that the Lord was with him. This is the master's conclusion. The master looked at what Joseph was doing and concluded, the Lord is with him. What does that look like when the Lord's with you? What does it look like to an employer that the Lord is with one of their employees? What's it look like? What would make you think that? Keep going. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him and made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. And from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's. Do you believe that God blesses your employer through you? And do you think that God works this way? Because here's how I think it works. Joseph simply did what he should do and after a long time of watching that Potiphar says there's something about him there's just something here and he concluded that he's doing this for God and God is blessing me through him and that makes this impression now you could say well will that always happen I believe God does this that when his people do what they're supposed to do, he puts it into the mind of their employers why they're being blessed, and it's because of certain employees they have who do their work. That's Joseph, and by the way, you remember Daniel, the same exact thing happened to Daniel and others in the, in the scriptures. This is just the most obvious one in the text. You get a job. If you get a job, work hard. Don't waste time. Don't slack on the job, even if it's a task you do not like. And let me tell you, every job has certain parts of it we absolutely hate. Amen? I work for a church, y'all. I work for y'all. And I'm telling you, 
There's parts I hate, just like there are you. Get on over it, get on through it, and get to the rest of it, right? There's just stuff. If you're looking for the perfect job, there ain't one. If you're looking for one that never has any parts of it that make you do stuff you don't want to do, there is not one. I'm pretty sure if you ask God if there were moments when it was hard to love us, I'm pretty sure he'd say, yep, but I did anyway. A lazy Christian is an oxymoron. I'm turning that into a weird statement there. Do you know what an oxymoron is? By definition, it's impossible. Christians should not be lazy. It can't be said that. We are second-mile people. We are those people who go the extra mile. And when my work and my responsibility is all done, I look around for a little more. Do you know why we do that? Because that's the God we serve. Does God just feed the crowd enough to get them um, enough nourishment for the day? Is that what he does? No, no, no. When he feeds people, there are baskets left over. Well, we are a basket left over people because we serve a basket left over God. And when we do our jobs, we do it to the max. We do it until it's there, and then we do it until baskets are left over. And you know what? You have a church secretary who's just like that. And that's why she's impressive. And that's why she's got job security until she's 80. That's what happens. And when you scrimp on the job, that becomes obvious too. It becomes obvious too. And that's when you become dispensable. That's when it's easy to start looking elsewhere. And that's why we as Christians, we, 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 are this, we, we serve a God like that, so we should be like that. But there's another emphasis too, right? It's the ecclesiastical one, what you talked about. When you work, and I don't know how many of you this could apply to, but when you work for a fellow believer, you want to do a little bit more. Given by not just an impression for God, but a love for them. This also explains Levon, by the way. She doesn't do that extra because she gets paid extra. She doesn't do that extra because she's God's daughter. She does it because she loves this church. And that's the way we should be with those parts of our, even if they're not Valley View people. I'm talking about if they're Christians, if they're Jesus followers and they benefit from us we we want to serve them just a little bit better because we are driven not just by by this reputation of God we're driven by this impulse on the inside to love those who share our faith that's what we do um so let me tell you what this would I, I also think it goes like this if you're ever at a restaurant and um let me think of somebody say Courtney over there I don't think she works at a restaurant. She's a teacher. There's, there's people that work at restaurants out there. And if one of our college people, I bet Mitchell's like this. I could say this. If one of our college people is serving us at a restaurant, their tip should be a little higher. Is that true, Mitchell? Yes, sir. With him? Now, you could say, well, you're getting to meddling now. Yes, I am. That's what you do for family. When you look up and you recognize a face you know, that we share a God, we share a faith, we share a family, I'm going to be a little bit extra generous. Now, that's not, that doesn't mean I shaft the person who's not a believer. No, 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 that's not right, but you, you do that. Now, here's my dream that I dream sometimes. I dream 
of working at Andy's. Don't tell me it's a dumb dream. It's my dream. Leave me alone. I think I can rock the Andy's apron. I just think I can, right? I think of the idea of building those, uh, those custard creations with a flair, right? I just think I love the atmosphere. When I look at an Andy's employee, even if they're walking through Walmart and they have the apron on, I just smile. Do you all just smile when you see an Andy's person? Is that just me? Or do you feel a shot of insulin, like Kinley would say? Shot of insulin, there's the, there's the Andy's guy, right? Well, okay, so if I were working at Andy's like my dream every once in a while, here's what I know would happen. When I see James and Melissa Gardner coming through the line, drive through, I shoot a little extra custard in there. I would. Now, Paul pointed out, you realize you're stealing from your employer when you do a little too much like that. It's not enough to be convicted of that. It's just a little extra. You know why? Because when you love people, there's nothing that reaches the heart like stomach, right? You you show your love through the stomach. So I see them come, and I'm going to put a little extra custard in that thing because they're believers. They're They're my people. They're my people. When I see... Mitchell Fitz Sr., I would do the same thing. I don't know about the junior. I know the senior I would. I, and there's others. I, I just say that when I see them, when, and when I go through the bank like at Southern Bank and I see Maggie working there, that's a sister in there. I expect that when I get my $40, there's a sucker with it. I expect that. And am I a kid? No, I'm not a kid. I'm a family. That's what you do for family. I expect stuff like that. And I, and I expect a wave, and I expect a wave at her. I, and I, I expect that of all of you when I see you on the job like that, because this is what we do. This is what we do. Not only are we making a name for, for God, but we are loving each other with the benefits we, of our work to other people. It's, it's kind of just what you do. It's kind of just what you do. And Because we are Christians, we are the best employees in the face of the earth. We are the people who do this with the greatest inward motivation that there is in the world. And so today, what drove you to come up the hill? You know this is what Christians do. You know that this is where we should be on Sunday morning because God has called us to it. But tomorrow morning, you won't be called up the hill. Tomorrow morning won't be called to worship, but you will be called to continue that Christian devotion and to Christian and that Christian ethic. You are still a part of this. This gig that you live called the Christian life is not a Sunday morning only thing. When you wake up Monday morning, the same kind of the same kind of charisma and the same kind of devotion needs to be expressed, but it's not in worship. It's instead on the job. And it's what we do. Used to think that that song he sang a moment ago, thanks Jeff, from great song selection. We'll work till Jesus comes. And I know those songs, those old songs, they had a lot of mission-minded songs. We'll even go overseas or we'll stay at home. We often think of that as only mission work like what I do or what missionaries do. But that's not true. When we say we'll work till Jesus comes... When I go to work tomorrow, I'll work for the Lord right where I'm at, doing the ministry he called me to, and I'll do that until Jesus comes. That's as much ministry as what I do. So today, I'm grateful you drove up the hill to do your in-worship Christian thing with me. 
tomorrow morning, do your on-the-job Christian thing for the same reason. Because you love the God who called you up here, and he's called you down there to work. And also do it for the same reason, because we all are family, and we love each other, and we're going to express that love in some of the strangest ways, even if it's just an extra shot of concrete, right? Extra shot of custard, whatever. Thank you for being up here. And tomorrow, go to work. And when you go to work, do it with the same faith that brought you up here. If there's anything we can do for you in your spiritual walk with God, whether it's repent of your sin and become a Christian, or whether it's just, hey, I've become a Christian, but I've grown slack in this whole thing of serving God, and I want the prayers of this church. Whatever we can do for you that will help you in your walk and bless us all in ours, do it now as we stand and as we sing.